good to be with you once again, and uh, Happy New Year. I, if I haven't been able to wish you a Happy New Year yet, I am officially doing that. My name is Brandon, and I'm uh, our Connections Pastor here at the church, part of the teaching team. And we have been spending time for the last couple weeks as we've entered into 2022, laying out a question. And the question has simply been, how bad do you want it? How bad do you want it heading into 2022? When it comes to your faith journey, the faith journey that you are on and, and growing in your relationship with Jesus Christ, are you hoping that you see God work powerfully? What are you going to do to see God work powerfully in this new year in and through you? And one of the things we've been assuming along asking those questions is that if we're going to be willing to take on that challenge, we know that there's going to be some sacrifice involved with that. See, we know that our salvation, the salvation during that we just got to celebrate and just new life and, and everything that God's doing in a life, that's all free. That's all free by the grace of God and God's power and God's working in our life by sending his son, Jesus. But we also know that if we want what God has for us, if we really, truly want to take those next levels, those next steps, then our commitment's going to need to go next level as well, right? We're going to have to sacrifice something along the way. And so we're going to open our Bibles this morning to Mark chapter 9, all right? I appreciated so much what uh, Pastor Brian highlighted on Christmas Eve, if you were here for Christmas Eve services. If you don't have a Bible, Northern Hills is the place you can steal one at, okay? Seriously, like, we want to get a Bible in your hands. Please get a Bible in the back if you don't have one. Uh, we want to not only get that in your hands uh, for this morning, but any time that you want to, again, dig into God's Word, you can have one. And for those of you online as well, if you don't have one, please reach out, please post something, um, uh, let's get a Bible sent out to you. But if you get on your app or on in your personal Bible, we'll be in chapter 9, and I just want to set the scene before we get into the story for today, all right? This story happens just before a miracle that takes place. It's called the Transfiguration. And if you're uh, familiar with that story in Scripture, what you know what the Bible says is that Jesus took three three of his 12 disciples, and he led them up this high mountain where he was transfigured before them. Well, what does that even mean? Transfigured essentially means that he gave them a small glimpse, a small peek into his glory, into what the glory of God looks like. Not only would look like in that moment, but will look like for eternity. I think that's so important for us to take into in just context before we get into Mark chapter 9, because this isn't a gentle Jesus we're talking about. This isn't the meek and mild Jesus that some of us set up in our minds. So that this Jesus is full of power, full of a glory to him, okay? And it's important for us to remember that as these three disciples with Jesus are engaging and witnessing this glory. Now, it's Peter, James, and John. And after this glorious encounter, they go back down the mountain. And the Bible talks about how this enormous crowd rushes up to them. They want to engage and have a conversation, of course, with Jesus. And here's where we are in verse 17 of Mark chapter 9. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son to you so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. And then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus answers him. And he says, you faithless people, how long must I, I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. And so they brought the boy. 
But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. And he replied, since he was a little boy. The spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. And Jesus' response to that, what do you mean if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. And the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my belief. When Jesus saw the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit, this, that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. He said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter into him again. And the spirit screamed and threw the boy into a violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet, and he stood up. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? And Jesus replied, this kind, this kind can be cast out only by prayer. All right, we're going to take a hard left with the message this morning. I promise it's going to make some sense as we walk through the teaching. Were you ever part of a church that greeted one another, and not only greeted one another before service started, but also did the shaking hands bit? Maybe either a church you grew up in, or you're recently just coming from a church like that, where they greeted one another, welcomed one another, and shook hands. I see some nods. I see some people saying yes. Well, it's the new year, and so we're going to, I'm just teasing, I'm just, some of you were really apprehensive there though. Some of you, I saw your faces. I can remember specifically growing up in a Catholic church, and I remember there was a little uh, time and set aside time all the time, peace be with you, also with you. And then there was that shaking hands bit that went down. And I remember a conversation with my wife of her getting engaged with one of those kinds of services. And she didn't grow up in a Catholic church. She wasn't used to that. And so I remember her first encounter with the peace be with you. Someone came up, peace be with you. And she just looked at them dead in the eye and said, thanks. <laughs> and I love that story about our marriage because what I grew up with, what she grew up with and all these kinds of things. Here's the deal. Many of us we're probably really appreciative of that, that sort of maybe way away, and especially maybe post-COVID, not because we don't want to welcome somebody, but because, again, we're a little more introverted. We don't want to put ourselves out there. And so some of you are saying, I may never shake a hand again in my life, Brandon, all right? This is the COVID world now, right? But here's some food for thought this morning. They say that globally, four out of five people don't wash their hands when they leave the bathroom. So if you were a handshaker, now you may not be one, right? These numbers, I, my, my guess is have changed worldwide since the pandemic. But regardless, that number is very disturbing to me, all right? Four out of five people, when after they use the toilet, do not wash their hands. And if you're that person, I am officially judging you, Okay. I'm officially judging you right now if you are that person. That's just, just disturbing to me. But what's interesting when you actually discuss and dig into this more is that what you'll find is that people, and this is children maybe globally, they will die of unnecessary preventable diseases if people just were to wash their hands. If all of us, if all of us just committed to wash our hands as a common rule, I looked this up, worldwide stomach diseases would be cut down as many as half respiratory diseases would be cut down by a third, which is fascinating when you really think about it. Now, this gets even more interesting, if you're in the mind of Brandon, because the problem is 
that it doesn't, it's not a problem because we have a lack of soap, all right? In fact, most homes in the world, they have a bar of soap in them. I read somewhere that as high as 90%, this is even in developing countries, have access to soap. So soap is really normal. In fact, we've seen soap for a long time. 2800 BC is when the Babylonians discovered it. Soap is normal. It's widely available. It's widely accessible. Now, there are 10% of the world that view soap as a luxury, of course. They view it as a commodity. It's reserved for special occasions like washing clothes or washing dishes, maybe taking that bath once in a while. It's a really big deal. It's not viewed as something that an individual would use on a normal basis or daily at all. But the majority of the world, 90% of us, the problem is it isn't having access to soap. It's not taking advantage of the soap that we have. Another way to say that would be that the problem isn't availability. It's just simple awareness and action. Interestingly enough, the disciples here, they were unable to cast this demon out. They were unable to help this child. This affliction was preventable potentially, right? And these disciples would have had many ministry assignments where they literally were sent by Jesus and they even comment that the demons listen to us because we do ministry in your name, Jesus. And so their ministry was working. But here are the disciples, unable to command this demon. Yes, demons, when they were humble or when they were small in their own eyes or dependent on Christ and Christ alone, what makes this time different? Verse 28 again. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit. And Jesus replies, this kind can be cast out only by prayer. These men that had a mountaintop experience, seeing the glory, the fullness of the power of God, they moved very quickly down that mountain, attempting then to do something that was a mighty work, but attempting to do it in their own strength. And yet Jesus was clear, this kind, this demon, this difficulty, this pain, this stronghold, this kind, only by prayer. Only by prayer. What are you praying for in this new year? What are you choosing to pray for in this new year? And I ask that question, and it's assuming that you are praying for something powerfully in your life for this new year. If you want to see God move in a powerful way, if you want to answer that question, how bad do I want this faithful journey, then we, we must become a people of prayer. We must become a people of prayer. And I believe there are two things that foster the kind of, of spirit that God wants in each of us, the humility that's needed for people to be able to do things the way God wants us to do them, the thing that he's called us to, that dependence in the power of God and not in self. And I think one of the disciplines is fasting. We'll talk more about that next week, but I also believe that the other is prayer. And just keep this in mind, just like the soap, the disciples couldn't help the child, not because they didn't have access to what they needed, they had access to it, and they knew it. They knew the power behind that access. It's because they didn't take action to use what was readily available to them. Is prayer like that for us? 
is the power of our prayer life, does that sort of fit into as well? Something that we can tap into eagerly and cheerfully, instantly and effortlessly, but our prayer life is almost seen as an afterthought. And because of that, are we not tapping into the power that God has, the miraculous power that God has for each of our lives? Perhaps, perhaps we make the same mistake of treating prayer like that 10% does third world folks that maybe how they deem soap, maybe for special occasions, maybe for those dire situations. And if we do just for that, if prayer just comes up in our most dire of times, then I think we're missing it out. If we save it only for those situations, I'm like you. Often we'll just turn to God when we're at the end of our ropes. 2021 was one of that for Brandon Freda. The, the midst of everything that was going on with my mom's situation, I was on my knees consistently, constantly, because it's something that I couldn't manipulate and get my hands and head and even heart around. It was all dependence on God. And we're like that, aren't we? Where prayer becomes this thing where we're in trouble or just when we're in trial. In the weeks following 9-11, those terrorist attacks, church attendance in the U.S., it surged as much as 24%. And more recently, we're familiar with online attendance at church services or those Google searches that have been around spiritual or faith-based subjects. They sky, they've skyrocketed. They've skyrocketed in today's time. And those things should happen when we're in crisis. Of course, it's necessary to pray in crisis. But what if we became a people that before the problems arose, what if we interceded in prayer on behalf of somebody or, or started having these conversations with God when things were in their infancy, before something became major and enormous in each of our lives? Everyone wants to Everyone wants to pray for that loved one that's having a medical emergency or getting ready to have surgery. And definitely, again, that's the right time to pray. But it's also the right time to pray when you bring someone new into the office. And everybody's relationally trying to get to know them, trying to start to understand the, the dynamics of the new relationships. Let's pray about that. It's the right time to pray when you and your spouse are having a healthy argument, let's say on your way back from a store that you spent way too much money at, and you shouldn't be spending money at that store, and you get in an army, that's the time to pray. And that store is Hobby Lobby, okay? <laughs> and I'm just I'm confessing, you need to be praying for the Freitas, because it's Hobby Lobby. What I'm trying to say is that it's always the right time to pray. It's always the right time to pray. And if it's important to you, it's important to God, and we call on God before anything else. And so we should view prayer as that first response and not that last resort. To just keep seeking God is a paramount thing for to be able to access the power of God. But we'd be right, wise to remember, we're Peter, we're John, we're James. We can have a moment where this miraculous thing happens right in front of our faces and later try to do something, minutes later, try to do something in our own strength. And prayer just becomes that afterthought of attaining God's power. See, the problem isn't availability. It's not. It's awareness and action. And so many of us, as we head into the new year, I think many of us, we're just feeling stuck. We're asking that question, do I really want this? Do I want to really see the power of God taking ground in my life and, and then allowing me to take the ground and, and the victories that I have waiting for me? And we find ourselves going, oh, 
well, okay, I need to be in my Bible more. Should I be attending this group or that? And if you're anything like me, it's always easier to also try to find the latest, greatest fad resource or tool in growing in our faith. And maybe the problem isn't that we could or should be doing that new thing. Maybe the problem is that we're not taking advantage of that that is readily accessible to each of us just to seek and cultivate humility, to have this conversation with the creator of the universe, the creator of our lives, to take some time to pray, to watch him move in our lives in a way that, that we're, we're not just falling back. Well, prayer is this, this familiar habit. It's this, it's this tired thing that I do or maybe the old thing that I do. And really what we, if we're honest with ourselves and having the honest conversation, we never really gave much effort to it in the first place. So I want to make this practical for us today. I want to remind us of some things that the power of prayer does in each of our lives. If 2022 is the year that you're looking to elevate to go to the next place in your faith walk. If you're looking to make that much more impact and have that much larger influence, let's not discount prayer. Let's lean into it. Let's not make it an afterthought of our faith journey. And here's what's going to happen if you give your life over to prayer. The first thing is, is prayer is going to slow you down. Prayer will slow you down. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30 says this. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear. And the burden I give you is light. If you were to measure it, how much would your burden weigh? How much would your burden weigh? That, that, uh, that sickness you're dealing with. Maybe it's a mental health issue. Maybe it's a physical health issue. How much does that burden weigh in your life? The financial struggle you're having. Could you put a number to that kind of burden? The, the, the relationship, the division that's going on in your family, maybe the division that's taking place at your workplace. Just another example. What would you give as a number to that burden that you're carrying? See, we all have burdens. And you know what we do to solve them? We stay busy. We stay busy. We are addicted to busy. And I'm not telling anything that you guys don't know. You're smart people. But we say this all the time. Oh, you're too busy, Brandon. You've got to slow down. And if we think that's going to work, that's like telling an addict basically, oh, well, why don't you just quit? We're addicted to busy. It's no simple thing to be able to just say stop being busy. And so we're not looking for a quick fix to work this thing out. But this is where the power of prayer comes in because prayer will slow us down literally, physically. It's going to slow us down a bit. You ever find yourself feeling anxious? And maybe if you're not having anxiety, you're just feeling sluggish spiritually. And I wonder if it's that we don't notice that, you know what? I'm often hurried. I'm often rushing to and fro. And then the burdens never really feel released. See, the enemy of this spiritual life is rushing around. It's hurrying to that place to get to, from there to there. And let's just be honest. Maybe that's why we stay so busy. Because we don't want to identify that thing. We don't want to pause and slow down to take time for God to give us that conversation that is, here's what needs to change in your life. We want to avoid knowing that. We want to avoid dealing with that. But when we pray, we intentionally slow down. And I just want us to think about this for a minute. There's something beautifully inefficient, inefficient about prayer. 
Think about that. Just taking the time to pause, to get on your knees, to tune out certain surroundings that you're going to center in on your prayer life for. And so you know what you're doing when you're praying? You know what you're, actually I'll say it this way, you know what you're not doing when you're praying? Anything else. Because you're just praying. That's what you're taking time to do. And I know many of us, were already thinking, oh, well, I can't pray, and I'm really busy, and you just don't know. And this is what makes prayer beautifully inefficient. It's what I found every time I've dedicated some really solid times and just said, no, this is going to be a priority. And I'm going to continue to make this a priority. When I seek to spend time with God, there's more of me in every situation that I find myself in. There's a better version of me in every situation I find myself in. I'm not running from here to there and everywhere because I'm present. We talk about inefficiency. <laughs> the last movie I went to see. I noticed something about myself. I prefer the paper towel dispensers that are the electronic paper towel dispensers versus the hand paper towel dispensers, okay? And I just found this, I know, I'm, I'm talking about soap and paper towels. I'm not a hypochondriac. I'm just, this is my world, okay? But I, I, I think the efficiency of the new paper towel dispensers, not the old ones. The old ones were like the turny, cranky thing that you had to use, and then that was a little gross. And some of us are actually really familiar. Old, old school was just the one that was this, this, this consistent towel that you, yeah, you're laughing, but it is nasty. It was so gross, right? I love the efficiency of just the hand swipe one. You scan it, and out comes the paper towel. Scan it, out comes another paper towel. You're done in five seconds. Well, it's too long to use the blow dry one. I'm going to stand there for 20 seconds probably. And that's completely inefficient with my time and the things that I have to do. It's wasting time. Now, there's a TED Talk out there, and I know this sounds crazy. Just hang with me for a minute. Supposedly worldwide, this number is it's fast, it's outrageous to me. 13 billion pounds of paper towels get thrown away every single year in this country. 13 billion pounds of paper towels is a lot. I'm not great at math, but if our church and all the churches worldwide... Or if all the movie theaters worldwide, the Costco's, the Targets we go to, if all of them had the scanny thing, the scanny thing, the scanny thing, we would be very efficient with our time. We wouldn't have to take 20 seconds, or excuse me, not the scanny thing, the, the, the blow dry thing. We could be very uh, uh, inefficient with our time because it would be 20 seconds for each of us, wasting time there, wasting all this time that we could be using, but there would be no waste. Or at least that waste in the 13 billion range would be quite uh, um, uh, less than we could maybe even imagine, right? And so here's what I'm just trying to get at with this. If we were to take this new year to seek God in prayer, it will slow you down. And you will feel like it's a terribly inefficient use of your time. But let me tell you this, I think you're going to be a less wasteful version of yourself. I think you're going to be a less wasteful version of who you are and who God's made you to be when you take the time to spend time with God. A.W. Tozer, who's a pastor, author, and spiritual mentor for many, he's quoted in a devotional called Mornings with Tozer, and he says it this way, I've often wished that there were some way to bring modern Christians into this deeper spiritual life painlessly by short, easy lessons, but such wishes are in vain. No shortcuts exist. It is well that we accept the hard truth now. The man who would know God must give time to him. Prayer, it will slow you down. 
and it's beautifully inefficient. It's time to slow down. It's time to stop and just disrupt our sort of regularly scheduled broadcasting lives because when we blink, 2022 is going to be gone. And when we blink again, our lives are going to be gone. And God wants, wants you to know who you are and what he's purposed you to do by spending time with you. Now, the person who wants to know God must spend time with God. All right, so the first thing it's going to do is it's going to help slow us down. Here's the second thing it's going to do. Prayer is going to strengthen you up. Prayer will strengthen you up. And what I mean by strengthen you up is that it's going to give you new energy. It's going to give you a new power. Some of us, let's be fair, we come into a new year and some of us are just beat. I, I, I've been that way. I know especially coming out of the difficulty that was 2021 and especially out of the last two years that we've experienced, many of us are like, I can't do that again. And so we're, our energy is low. We're tapped. And so life all, almost sometimes becomes this monotonous thing because we get tired and fatigue sets in. The Apostle Paul who's speaking to the church in Corinth. And he's talking about being tired. He's talking about weakness. He's talking about affliction, this severe nature of those inexpressible things that we can't. And he's speaking about feeling weak when he boldly tells the church, here's Jesus' counsel for me. Here's what Jesus reminded me of. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness, and so I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. The Bible says when you're run down, Jesus isn't. Jesus doesn't get run down. Jesus is strong, and he doesn't get tired, and he doesn't grow weary. And what's so beautiful about that is that when I take time to not be God, Brandon God for the day, and when I find myself on my knees... It's a really good position to be in because then I know who God is. And Jesus reminds me, Brent, hey, guess what? You, you thought I stopped working, but I didn't stop working. I've been working this whole time, and I'm not tired, and I want you on your knees so I can put my strength in you. That's what God does. And I wonder if some of us are even with, like, the father of the demon-possessed boy. And so we have, I have belief. I do believe. Ooh. Help me with my unbelief. See, we believe, many of us, but we've also been through it, and there's a lot of nuance to a lot of our stories where we haven't felt like prayer's been answered, where God hasn't really shown up where we thought he would, or he hasn't quite done the thing that he promised that he said he would do, and, and so things don't align in our minds, so we, our unbelief grows. Maybe heading into 2022, that's where you need more strength is in your unbelief of what God can do. We're going to celebrate 36 years here as a church family this spring. North, Northern Hills has existed for 36 years this spring, and God has continued to move in all of those years, if you haven't noticed. But guess what? He's up to a new thing here. And that new thing is an exciting thing. And if you don't think that year 36, you're here or you're watching online or you're present and part of this church, if you don't think that that's, that that's just happen chance, <laughs> it's not. God has a very specific reason why you're here in year 36, for the influence. And he wants to strengthen all of us up, uh, his unique expression, his unique imprint on the church of Northern Hills for the cities that surround us, for the impact we can make in this state that he's planted us in, for the impact we can make in the world, the people, the people of God. 
that call Northern Hills Church their home. He's ready to give us new strength. And prayer, prayer will strengthen you up. Don't you need that? I, I need that. I need that from the Holy Spirit just to come. Just like the scriptures talk about, the, the Holy Spirit just coming down where life doesn't become draining, but it gives us and builds us to the point where we can run over anything. We can stare down any giant. You can leap over any kind of wall. That's the kind of Holy Spirit power that is gained through prayer, the strength that's gained through prayer. When I feel tired, when I feel worried, when my anxiety is spiking, it's because I'm not praying. It's because I'm not spending time towards that strengthening and praising who he is and exalting his goodness. So we need to slow down. Prayer's going to do that. We need to strengthen up. Prayer's going to do that. And the last thing for us this morning is prayer will clean you out. Now, I promise I tried everything I could to come up with something different than prayer will clean you out, okay? I know, I know we're talking about washing hands and going to the bathroom. I apologize. I, it's just, here we go, right? When you truly find time to slow down, though, when you truly allow the Holy Spirit to strengthen you up, I believe that the Spirit also is going to work to cleanse us. That prayer will clean us out. There's a cleansing that happens. Here's the reality. We live in a dirty world. I don't care if you're a germaphobe or a hypochondriac or whatever. You're talking about soap and paper towels. Our, our world's dirty. It's messy. There's messy relationships, messy circumstances. Generally, each of us are bringing our own mess into whatever equation, right? And so we live in a messy world, and Jesus came to cleanse our hearts as we navigate this world, as we look to make a unique and special imprint on this world, as we live differently than the world. And so it's that world that, that, and that work, if you will, that needs to begin on the inside. It doesn't start on the outside with us posing and us coming here and putting on a happy face when there's a lot of things going on internally. That work happens from the inside out. Isaiah 29, the prophet Isaiah says it this way. And so the Lord says, these people say they're mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And many of us, our hearts need to be washed. See, Jesus doesn't want to wash his hands of this dirty world, nor, nor does he want us to do that. But he wants to wash our hearts. He wants us to begin thinking in his way why he does things. It's why he came to die on the cross, to raise from the dead, prove he was God. This supernatural, God-only driven event moves us towards understanding that God has something greater for us. And then when we spend time with him in prayer, as he cleanses us, we become quick to seek forgiveness for the things that we want to be God in. And not just seek forgiveness from God. I'm quick to seek forgiveness from my spouse. When I'm cleansed, I'm quick to start seeing others as Jesus sees them, start to hate what Jesus hates. And he's going to start to do that work, just that cleansing that happens when our hearts run back to him. Even James, one of those disciples that had the mountaintop and then forgot the mountaintop and didn't take advantage of what was readily available to him. That James, he says, come close to God. God will come close to you, wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. The message translation of scripture, it puts it this way. Say a quiet yes to God, and he'll be there in no time. Quit dabbling in sin. Quit playing the field. Purify your inner life. And so I wonder... 
I wonder if we head into this new season as a church. And what if we were to just take Jesus' reply to his disciples that were just so out of whack. God, we, we had done these works in your name and now we can't drive out these evils, this evil spirit. What's going on? And Jesus' Jesus's reply is so simple. This kind, this affliction, this, this hurt, this pain, this thing, it can only be cast out. It's only cast out. Only, only, only by prayer. And such is for you and I. We have something in 2022 that we're navigating. And maybe we're trying to get our hands and our heads, maybe even our hearts around it to try to figure out how we work the problem and solve it. But only by prayer is that thing going to be given victory, give you freedom, give you meaning in why it took place. Stop trying to work the problem and start praying. Start committing to prayer. I don't know if that thing's just my kids and and everything that they're navigating right now at school and isolation and depression and cutting, how they deal with relationships and pain. I, I I can't do anything about that, but God can. God can transform them through that only by prayer. Only by prayer. Your marriage may feel like it's on the brink. Your marriage may feel like we've given this, we've given this a lot, Brandon. We've gone to every counselor, gone to every pastor. You just don't know the story only by prayer. Only by prayer is maybe where that starts to begin the new journey, the new favor, the new power that God wants to show you in what he can redeem and the story he can tell only by prayer. Let's be a people at Northern Hills that pray. Would you pray with me? God, that's what what we're asking for you and your power to invade our hearts as we commit to lives of prayer. God, that's a work that I know you're stirring in this space. I know it's a work that you're stirring in our church and church leadership and everything, everything that you're just doing. Lord, it's got to start with your power. It's got to start with you. It's got to start having conversations with our great God and creator. And so, God, would you you just guide us through that? God, we are trusting you for transformation. We are trusting you for healing. We are trusting you to bring about beauty out of ashes. And, Lord, we are going to converse with you. So you can show us your word, so you can show us your truth, so you can show us your power that lives in us. And Lord, we will take action to that that is readily available. God, just help our hearts when we're discouraged or when we feel a little faint of heart. And build us up in your power as we become the church you want us to be. God, we pray these things. We trust these things because of the great name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message. If you'd like to get involved here at Northern Hills, check out our website at inhills.org or download the Northern Hills app. We hope to see you again soon.